0: Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season eight of Game of Thrones is underway and you can stay up to date with the Ringer staff as we make our way through the final episodes of the series. On the podcast side, listen to Binge Mode Game of Thrones with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, and a pre-capable series on the Recapables feed where we'll make predictions on episodes to come. In addition to our Sunday night Twitter after show called Talk the Thrones, our YouTube channel has tons of other Game of Thrones related content, which you can find at youtube.com slash The Ringer. And for even more Thrones coverage, head over to TheRinger.com. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle Season 1 champion, Michael Long. The king of sad Stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I am a chance scan that.
1: Come Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goof Harajah. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to this. You're listening
0: and you're, to. Listen you're listening to and you are listening to. You're listening to. listening are listening to the Masked Man the Mask Show. Man the Man Show. The Masked Man, Mask Man Show. Man the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Man the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Man yeah. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. Try not new voices over here. I'm David Shoemaker. I'm here with Kenny Herzog. Hi. Heel producer Jim is somewhere in Los Angeles. I don't really know what's going on. But we've got great, giant, enormous news to talk about today uh, in the pro wrestling world. The biggest news, I mean, honestly, if at any point over the past five years you had pulled wrestling fans to say, what is the biggest, like, if you woke up from a coma, I have the biggest wrestling news for you, and here it is, they would probably all guess many of them would guess the exact same thing. And that is what happened this week, apparently. CM Punk has returned to the ring. Kenny, how excited are you?
1: Um, I would say middlingly excited.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where we all are. CM Punk apparently, purportedly, went to to the, uh, showed up at an indie show and uh, I think helped his bold buddy Ace Steel. Um, He showed up in a, in a, in like, Black pants and a black hoodie and a luchador mask with the hood pulled up, ran in from into a local gym from a side door with some people assisting him to the ring and hit a uh, you know a solid B plus uh, GTS on somebody and and then left the ring. Um, it sort of bubbled up online over the weekend. The first clue was that somebody met him at a, met him in public and he was wearing the same outfit. Then people started digging up all these old clips where he was saying if I ever come back to wrestling, it won't be with WWE. It'll be at my at an indie show where I do exactly what he did. He predicted it. Um, since then, some people have come out and admitted that it was, or opened up about it being him. And it's come out that apparently it's not the first time he's done such things, but it just, it, in the greatest, like, like, the in, in the, you know, the weirdest turn of events ever, apparently he's done this before and just nobody really noticed it was him and so it didn't matter. <laughs> um, just the weirdest anti-CM Punk, I mean, not, uh, anti-CM Punk might be the wrong way to put it but the most kind of unusual comeback non-comeback ever um I don't know I don't know is this worth even talking about Kenny?
1: I, you know it's I was surprised when I first saw it and I asked if you heard about it I assumed that by the time I'd seen it it had already been debunked because otherwise I would have been seeing everybody talk about it I would have seen it frankly trending on Twitter um and maybe the fact that none of that was happening was just kind of everyone saw the news they didn't not believe it, but they just gave a collective shrug um, it's kind of It's kind of weird to see a guy you know get his ass handed to him in the u f c after making such a big deal about um you know going his own way and then try to get excited when he like comes in a mask and hits a fake wrestling move on somebody and and runs away. Like it's just, it just, the thrill is, the thrill was gone, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, I think that to some extent we've all kind of closed the book on CM Punk and him popping back up in our lives is, I mean, not a slap in the face, but a little bit unnecessary uh, for our (laughs) collective consciousness or conscience. No, consciousness is right. And then, and, and to, for him to, I mean, it is just really weird that he would do, I mean if this happened on WWE I would spend like 3000 words breaking it down. Right, right, right. It only matters at that moment in kayfabe in the context of that wrestling show. It only matters that it's CM Punk, right? But they did everything they could to not to prevent you from knowing that it was CM Punk. So, I mean it would really it would be like it would be like if Hogan joined the NWO but like he did it in a robe with a mask on, and nobody knew that Hogan had joined the NWO, and then we just talked about it on Twitter. Like I don't even, I'm not quite even sure how to what the parallel is here. It would be it seems like about- it would be like if Big Cass and Enzo Amore did a run at a Ring of Honor show, <laughs> and they didn't put it on TV, and then they pretended it never happened after the fact, which actually, um, which actually yeah, not know
1: anything anything about about that, and it's sort of in keeping with you know his personality, which is a little bit. Um, he likes to keep the public at a at arm's length, but he like but he very much treasures his sort of like um, his old school wrestling buddy friendships, and so it kind of it kind of checks all the boxes of, of what you might expect um, from him. But I I will say that I was doubly surprised because I've been as you know sort of observing his more public-facing, sort of slow comeback. <laughs> First, he did the MTV thing that, where he was hosting some challenge S show, but now he's co-hosting, along with Tiki Barber, the Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix, which is basically like uh, American Ninja Warrior for people with even shorter attention spans, um, and also featuring Wade Barrett as a regular correspondent under his real Listen, name.
0: Barrett I have nothing bad to say about Ultimate Beastmaster, except that I didn't realize... I had seen the show advertised and had no idea what it was um because when i think of beastmaster i'm not thinking of american ninja warrior i'm thinking of um mark singer and uh scantily clad women of course but all that said uh yeah cm punk's uh, gradual return to the spotlight i know he's making some movies and stuff he's he's living his best life um if you know once you take wrestling out of out of uh, and and winning at mma out of the opportunity the options for best life
1: and he'll never be able to go to the bathroom in his Milwaukee condo without thinking that I once peed in his bathroom in his Milwaukee condo. So there's that.
0: <laughs> uh, that's creepy and weird. But yes, uh, yeah. many wrestling there, there's a, there's the running joke in wrestling fandom that, uh, that you know, when, when someone owes us something, but I think it's particular to CM Punk, that we bought him that condo and we bought him his house. We're the wrestling fans. He owes us everything. It's nice to see him giving back a little bit, even if it's under a mask and in a hoodie and at an indie show that is captured only on uh, stray iPhone um, uh, recordings.
1: You're, listen, you're right. That's, if that's if that's as magnanimous as as it's going to get, you know, with with punk, then uh, then I guess we'll just take it at
0: face value. Yeah, I mean, listen, let's let's be totally real about it. If this, I mean, we we all kind of like to joke about CM Punk, and I think that the that the, at the end of the day you know, it's based in a disappointment that we, that we feel like, or at least I can speak for myself that I feel like I lost like my favorite, if not, I mean, one of my favorites, if not my favorite wrestler at what was, you know, should have been his peak. Um, But yeah, I mean, listen, if he, if, if this were anybody else or if, you know, I really gave it a fair look, this is a guy who loves pro wrestling enough to show up in a hood and a mask at a wrestling show, and put a move on somebody just for fun, you know, and that's kind of awesome. I mean, that's, that's just, it's it's sort of great.
1: I think, I think that's fair. I do that. The other side of it is that he's never been able to quite figure out his relationship with like the wrestling fan base and how to be fun and laid back and, and let them be in on the joke, um, when it comes to his relationship with the wrestling fan base and that's, you know, look, he, you know, he's, he's got his. Issues and he is who he is, but I suppose I can I can I can acknowledge that it's not exactly um, a, a malicious act to, <laughs> to go and and run in on his friend's you know indie show and ultimately also not go out of his way to debunk the fact that it was him once Silas Young put it out there, thereby putting Silas Young's promotion, which is about to change HQ's you know on on the map in a nice way for people who hadn't heard of it. So yeah, it's all well and good.
0: I was thinking about Silas Young this week. When I saw Bobby Roode's new mustache, but we'll get to Bobby Roode, the <laughs> oh, former Bobby Roode, the new Robert Roode, and his gimmick change this week. Uh, we, have a, we have a, we have a couple of gimmick changes to run through before we get to that. Someone else that's going to be making a run in outside of WWE is the one and only Dustin Rhodes, no longer Gold Dust, who will be who has uh, was granted release from WWE and signed with AEW. He'll be facing Cody Rhodes at Double or Nothing. That's cool. Yeah? Are excited to see the Rhodes brothers finally face off? Well,
1: uh, if I can name drop for one second, uh, unrelated to uh, this episode of this podcast or, or any particular, you know, ringer feature I'm working on, I was speaking just a few days ago with Cody Rhodes for, for something. And he, you know, is, is very excited about getting back to the roots of real storytelling and, and real emotion in wrestling. And you and so, theoretically, him and his brother, you know, that's not headlining, you know, having a featured spot at Double or Nothing is proof positive, you know, of, the, of his intent. On the other hand, I'm very curious because the, the story of them as brothers never really met its full potential in WWE. It was kind of in fits and starts. I don't know what they're going to do now to make that story feel more emotional between now and Double or Nothing. But... They've already you know, released a, a couple of the little teasers, or at least one little teaser, and I'm sure they'll talk about it on maybe being the elite, and there'll be some trolling on, on social media. So uh, maybe it doesn't even have to happen on a
0: broadcast.
1: Maybe it'll, it'll, it'll if anything, um, foreshadow the way we might see these guys create stories in the future.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of storytelling on YouTube. Um, I'm a big fan of the way that the NWA has done it in their, you know, without having a national TV broadcast, obviously being the elite has been really cool. We have, um, you know, I mean, everything with, with AEW is sort of up in the air right now, although they seem to be sort of ironing things out behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, as oppressive as the many, many hours of WWE television seem at times and, and, adding more hours with other promotions does seem a little bit, you know, exhausting, uh, even before it happens. It's nice to have, it's nice to have little like four minute YouTube videos that you can go to and like get a piece of a story and just know exactly what you're getting into and, and, you know, to have fun with it.
1: And it raises an interesting conversation, you know, where as a wrestling fan, you know, really, should we put the onus on ourselves to be seeking out and finding this content where it lives, as opposed to just sitting on our sort of fat ass and waiting for it to be delivered to us on, uh, on USA or or a streaming app, or maybe it's kind of, maybe is gonna figure out how to kind of make those things more synergistic, I I don't know, because I'm not yet the fan that necessarily knows all the places to find this stuff and where it lives online, you know, I mean, obviously being the elite's an exception, That's kind of a known quantity.
0: Well, there's been a lot of word that they're gonna take SmackDown now to three hours on Fox, that Fox is, offered up a bunch of extra money to uh, to 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 bump up that to bump up that block, which is you know it's hard it's hard to get too mad as a wrestling fan when it's clear that everybody I mean it's clear that everybody there is like real value in having that extra broadcast time and that ad revenue is is a real thing um but man, it's a lot of TV anyway uh, <laughs> good congratulations farewell to gold dust. Um, Goldust was a very important character in all of our lives and he's now formally retired. Dustin Rose will carry on with, uh, some red and black face paint and he will fight his brother. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely into that. I'm excited to see what they do. That kind of old school thing you were talking about. I'm excited to see like it, it, there's, when you have a promotion like Elite, they have so much talent there, but just like with any, Just like with WWE, and just like with a lot of indie shows you go see, there's there's the risk of a lot of sameness, you know, and in in the match style and everything else. And it's cool to see them trying different things out. The first, uh, the first time when they did All In, it was uh, they they did a good job of of kind of varying the content in the ring, which was a real unique take, you know, something we really haven't seen on a national scale since what? I mean, like the end of ECW or something like that. I don't even know where to, where to put it and, you know, to have all can, so many different styles in one event. Um, and I think, and hopefully this will be a continuation of that. I'm I'm excited to see how they tell the story.
1: Yeah. I think that's all um, astute. And I, I think that's the whole uh, notion that they have this cohort of executive vice presidents with Cody and, and, the Bucks and and Kenny and Brandy doing the um, the sort of brand development business. Um, I think it, the reason it could work is because it's not about saying, "Oh, as an executive vice president, I'm sort of um, I, this kind of business administration stuff is in my purview." It's like, no, no, you know, the four of us together um, are going to drill down into like the psyche of what we like to see in, in in a wrestling match and the variants we like to see on a card. And you know, if they can. Maintain that um, intimacy, you know, and that that proximity to the product, and not have to um, not find themselves at further remove as they go further down the road into their life as as a as a, as a business. Um, it, yeah, it could be pretty pretty thrilling, pretty exciting times. I mean, to think where to think that a year from now we could be having this conversation and. Legitimately be leading off the show, talking about the latest happenings in AEW because that's just simply the biggest news in wrestling. I mean, it's terrifying for WWE, but it's it's yeah. exciting for wrestling fans.
0: Well, the thing you keep hearing is that Vince isn't worried at all about AEW, and that WWE is not worried, and they're aware of their monolith status and and you know, not not worried about the the, the you know the the little up and comers uh, circling around them. And maybe that's true, um, but. Uh, if you want to, you don't have to look too far, hard, too far and hard to find uh, counter evidence to that. Which is um, someone not getting uh, released to go to AEW this week was Luke Harper, who, according to I believe, according to Dave Meltzer, um, we knew he had announced his, uh, that he had at- requested his release. He made a big showing of it, and now uh, either because WWE treasures him or because they uh, want to set a precedent that you should not announce that you've requested your release on Twitter and Instagram to all your fans. They are the plan right now is they will keep him through the end of his contract, and the, which runs until the end of the sometime in the, towards the end of this year. And then they're adding an extra 90 days to compensate for injury time he spent out, which we saw them do last, I believe, with Rey Mysterio during his after his last run um, when he openly wanted to go to uh, Lucha Underground. Um, And they just like threw an extra year on because of time missed. Um, Listen, I I understand from a business point of view what they're doing, and I and 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 actually for all of the you know smack that that I will talk uh, about best business practices to WWE at times, I do fully understand like like wanting to set a precedent and wanting to you know keep matters such as this in house, right? I mean, even the I assume from Luke Harper's point of view and from many other wrestlers' points of view. It, there are times where, where your prospects may seem so hopeless that so that seems like the only thing to do. I understand both sides of the story. So, I, I mean, I kind of get if, if indeed they are kind of making a kind of public show to prevent these sorts of public requests for a lease, you know, to keep that from happening in the future. I get that. That said, after the John Oliver thing, after, I mean, with this right. ongoing conversation about independent contractor status, It seems like a weird time to be just, like, flexing your contractual muscles in such a sort of malicious, mean-spirited way. It'd be one thing to say, no, we're not going to release you. You know, we—I mean, listen, Luke Harper, regardless of whether or not he's getting the push that we think he deserves, has value to WWE working house shows, you know, several times a week. You know, all these Mm -hmm. guys—there's a bunch of folks that we don't see on TV— um who who and that's an important part of their job, you know. So I understand like we're just gonna keep you under contract, but to add the extra time to just sort of in this sort of like FU mode, I mean, it just seems like a really weird move. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Well that's 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 a good thing to note that you know that reminding people that guys have value, you know, apart from just being on, on TV, I'd also say that you're finding it suspect that WWE would conduct themselves this way with um, a known talent after the Oliver Brouhaha would be a reason to question whether this particular r- rumor is in fact, you know, substantive, but assuming it is, um, it's, to your point, I could see where they would want to avoid an Anthony Davis-like spectacle, yeah, where someone announces they want to be somewhere else and it just creates a whole kerfuffle, but, and then, I mean, no offense to Luke Harper, who, as we, we agree, is valuable Hand.
0: Um, well, you just compare him to Anthony, Davis, Anthony Davis, so I, I don't know so why not just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know no. how he can take offense to being compared to Anthony Davis. So that's totally well, fine.
1: it's just like you know, you're, because he's not ultimately Anthony Davis. It's like why, why, you know, um, why keep him captive in that way? But alas, if it, if it turns out that this is the case, that this is what's happened. Um, you know what? I mean, honestly, it's like at least. You know, okay, he'll be making money, he'll be presumably out on the road, and then he'll be free in several months. It, and it just sucks
0: because he's not, after. I mean, you know, you kind of have to d- d- distinguish in your mind between the sort of business side of things and the personal side of things. And I think on the personal side, and then also the kayfabe side of things, I mean, but we would all, we would all like to see him, we, everybody loves Luke Harper. We would all love to see a Luke Harper push. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think that, uh, or, or at least see him get more opportunities, um, and even if you want to even if you can reconcile yourself to the business side, it is it is like on a human level. Unfortunate. It's sad to see a guy because he's not young, you know, and he's he doesn't have 10 more years left in him. You can see you can understand why he would want every move, every big boot to count. You know I mean? And and, uh you know, I, I really hope he gets the opportunity to to show his wares. You know, I mean, it's. I guess it, it, the the tough thing with WWE, with as big as their roster is, there's still a limited amount of of significant screen time, and it's just hard to look at Luke Harper, um, you know, who a lot of people compare have compared over the years to Bruiser Brody. By the way, we will be discussing the most recent episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring later in this episode. Speaking of Bruiser Brody, mm-hmm. but you know, someone with so much upside, someone with so much potential. You know, it's really, really easy for all of the fantasy booking that you see online amongst fans. Sometimes it's just so misbegotten. It's really, really easy to say to 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 imagine ways to put. You know, if if Luke Harper was in Baron Corbin's spot, would it be significant? Would it be a downgrade? No, it would be a huge upgrade. You know, like there's so many ways that you can. It's really easy to fantasy book Luke Harper into legitimate significance in WWE. You know, I mean that's that's not complicated, and that's what I think is frustrating. And also, the you know, if he came up through developmental now. If he was popping out of NXT in 2019, um, I think there'd be a lot more opportunity for him. But there's just he's he's sort of he's I think WWE has has kind of backed themselves into a corner with him, and now his buddy, his both of his former running buddies seem otherwise occupied, and um, and there's you know a limit to how many just total reboots you can do at one time. I think in WWE, and we're and and speaking of which, uh, we'll use that as a nice moment to segue into discussing some other reboots. That have happened this week. So best luck to Luke Harper, man. I mean, I I want to see him succeed in WWE. I mean, as a as a WWE mark, like I want to see him succeed there. Um, But you know, I do wish that he was, he get, would get to do whatever he wanted to do. And I and I know that and like he signed a contract. You know, we can compare independent contractors to, I mean, to other forms. I mean, yeah, you sign a contract, you gotta you gotta fulfill it. But this is. I just think it's a weird look for w w e. and i and I just want him to be able to be happy. I mean, that's what it is. We get connected to these folks. and i and I want him I want him to be I want him to get be able to do what he wants to do.
1: I, just just for yeah, one final word on that. Um, I'm a fan of the character. I'm a fan of the man as he has um, presented himself, you know, humanely in in this social media, et cetera. Um, and I appreciate, you know, and admire what he's put himself through in his career to make a living. An anti-Semitic family, all—all all of that. I also know that. Again, this is still all kind of unconfirmed scuttlebutt, so that's why I'm hesitant to to get too emphatic. But um, I wonder why it was, in retrospect, that Luke Harper of the of all the Wyatt disciples had the hardest time, kind of shaking the original Wyatt family persona, or you know that that Wyatt had the hardest time shaking that. Um, that aesthetic, you know, Rowan turned out to be someone that was either m- malleable, or that they decided to be malleable with. Um, and Strowman, we know what's happened with Strowman, and now Bray is going through his thing. But Harper kind of could never really get too far af- afield from the sweaty t-shirt guy, even when he was in Bludgeon Brothers S and M bondage
0: gear. Yes, they did a lot of things not quite right with the Bludgeon Brothers, but. Yeah, I I agree. I think part of it's just he had the, he had injury issues and he was he didn't quite get the chance. Now, I, I and I also think that with WWE, you know, I mean, we're, we'll talk about Bray Wyatt in just a minute. We'll talk about Bray Wyatt in about thirty seconds. It's hard to do repack. It's hard to reboot. It's hard to repackage in, in the modern in modern pro wrestling because you know to some extent kayfabe is dead, right? I mean, we we you you can't see you you can't you couldn't take Luke Harper and put him in a suit and call him you know phil jones the the new vice president of wwe i mean there, there's a limit to what you can do um and in some ways you're right i mean i i don't know what distinguishes him specifically from eric rowan or from braun Strowman or even from bray wyatt um but i kind of think that you know the his his gimmick was sort of his gimmick is Brody lee on the indies i mean that sort of is who he is and uh you know the wild hair and the beard and everything else it's it, it's hard to get too far away from that cuz that's part of what just his core appeal you know so anyway best wishes to the guy now let's talk yep. about his old running buddy Bray Wyatt who was one of a number of WWE stars that got uh, minor or significant repackagings or reboots this week um Bray after uh, a long time off with injury and then sort of sitting ready, ready to go a lot of uh you know, auspicious Instagram videos of him getting haircuts and, uh, and, and people <laughs> posting pics on Twitter of him looking slim and with a shorter Making beard. Babies. Uh, yeah, he made a baby, uh, there, you know, he's had a lot. And, and now maybe that's, you know, I can speak from personal experience. I know you can too, that having children changes your worldview and your priorities in life. And maybe that's affected Bray, Bray Wyatt a little bit because he went from being, uh, an evil backwards cult leader to, being the creepiest Mr. Rogers you could possibly imagine, Dave Schilling our old friend. Excuse me? wrote a piece, a great piece on the ringer.com just went up today about Bray Wyatt's new look, uh, a new attitude and a new gimmick and how that sort of falls into the 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 historical continuum of of reboot uh, repackagings um, mm-hmm. and gimmick changes. Um I don't know, what was your first take on uh, the Firefly Funhouse uh starring our old friend Bray Wyatt? First,
1: I will say that as far as the children change everything, yes, they do, and everything gets much worse. So, <laughs> that being said, I'm sure break and relate, and that's why we're going to eventually see this character of his crack. Um, but the promos, the, te- the teasers, I guess, for um, what we all knew was eventually going to be Bray's return in some form were, were very silly. The actual um, payoff, I thought, was... I'm taking a wait and see with the character, but I enjoyed the bit, and I watched it more than once on YouTube, which I can't say for. It's not like I'm watching Mojo Roly talking to himself in a mirror, you know, um, on on repeat. I obviously they put a lot of time into it. It was it was a very well produced affair, and they, I'm sure it did many takes. But for whatever it's worth, it was very well you know performed. Um, it's I like that it's obviously. Um, addressing what you talked about, where how can you just sort of repackage someone and pretend they didn't exist, where this character is is very much on a continuum of, of, of what we've, how we've known Bray Wyatt from the very start. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it evolves and how they negotiate what to do with him in terms of wins and losses once he's back in the rings. That was obviously something that became um, a, a challenge for them with, with the Bray Wyatt Bayou boogeyman thing. So... Overall, I, I'm I, again. I'm, I'm I'm taking a wait and see. But I, I, I liked what I saw. I thought it was it was exactly what I used to love about crazy, wild, um, throw everything at the, at the wall ideas in wrestling. When I when I was um, you know first obsessed with wrestling. So there you go.
0: You, you said you watched it on YouTube twice. Uh, according, I mean, at at the at the time of this recording, um, that video has about two and a half million YouTube views which is a a lot for wwe i mean just glancing over their youtube page um there are some there are some other things that have you know i mean there's like a john cena tribute that has that's 20 minutes long that has 2 million views but for for just regular tv content 2.5 million is incredibly high um Mm -hmm. it it does show that there's interest in this and that and that you know there's uh outsize and interest in it i thought the i thought the that package or that I mean that that segment was just incredibly good um you know the thing with bray wyatt is that um since his debut i mean he started like with gangbusters i mean we all get so excited when these nxt people get called up now because it's just part of the part of fandom or whatever but um but there was i mean there the debut of the wyatt family along with the debut of The Shield, although that wasn't, like, really an NXT gimmick, um, the debut of The Wyatt Family was just enormous. I mean, it was so incredible, and it's hard. The, my, with the, the valet will, the one bit of, like, like the one thing that she will say over and over again when we're watching wrestling is, why don't they put The Wyatt Family back together? And uh, and I get it, but, like, it was just, that's, it was so cool that just she was obsessed with it you know i mean and it was it was mm-hmm. so great bray wyatt was a huge part of that i mean obviously the central part of that and he's i guess what's often overlooked is that he is sort of self-repackaged several times over the years right i mean he's you know he he wore the hawaiian shirts at first and but the last time we saw him he was wearing like the leather butcher's apron
1: right and string from stringy hair to, to chunky dreads and so on
0: yeah and and i think that We've, I, we I I feel like I've discussed this on the show before, but I think the the thing with Bray is that like he kind of thought, and I'm not putting this on him specifically, but I do get the impression that he thought that he was repackaging himself more than the fans really realized or really perceived that he was re- being yeah. repackaged. Every time he would come back off a layoff, he'd be like, "This is the new and improved Bray Wyatt," and after about 15 minutes, you forgot that he was ever gone, and that there was, and you couldn't really notice any significant differences. You know, ring style didn't change a lot. Is you know the exactly overall right. aesthetic. It, it evolved but it didn't evolve in any significant way now this is a real significant jump and Bray I know I mean the the person Wyndham Rotunda, is has had a the most central role in this new character and is and, and is 100% committed to it and it'll be interesting to see where it goes the hardest thing for me is to imagine how this is how this is going to convey to the ring one of the coolest things about Bray Wyatt in his original incarnation is how seamlessly the, the in-ring character related to the out-of-the-ring character, if that makes any sense. You know, his, his, yep. his, his moveset was, was perfect, you know? I mean, and, and it didn't seem like, it, it didn't have that disconnect of like, I'm a garbage man, but I also wrestle. It was all of one piece, you know? And, uh, and so it'll be interesting to see where this goes, if he kind of sticks with the same Bray Wyatt in-ring moveset, if it's more, I mean, the character that I keep comparing this to, and I'll hand this over to you, in my head is Doink the Clown. The original <laughs> Doink the clown, not the not the uh, the, the Steve Lombardi or Apollo. yeah the the maniac Matt Born era doing the clown when he was an incredibly cool character. He was a kid's character that was just scary as hell, and he had this he had some funny clowny in ring stuff, uh, but he was a frightening heel. I don't know what 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 do you what do you think about that comparison?
1: I mean, I'm all for uh, you know making wrestling scary again. And, um, I would, I haven't thought I didn't, that comparison didn't come to mind, but it's, it's, I, it's valid. Um, the idea of, um, yeah, walking that fine line between a character that can appear nostalgic, but ultimately is nightmarish. Um, and we already have an established backstory with Bray where we feel like we know him, but now we don't Now, it, you know, we didn't know him and then we did. And then we really did, and now we now we don't know him at all. Like you know, there's there's a there is a there's a fun mystique around it that's even more um, uh, that's a bit more meta even than you know, than than we were given with the original uh, Doink, and then Doink just degraded over time. So um, as far as that comparison goes, yeah, I, I guess that's what I would say. There and I would also say that in terms of comparisons, people are saying the Mr. Rogers thing a lot. Mr. Rogers on acid or this or that. I got to say, for me, I, get, I mean, obviously the Mr. Rogers thing is part of it. I think there's, there it's a it's an amalgamation of a few different things, but especially just because it was called the Firefly Funhouse and the way he kind of you know, um, was. Over eager, you know, shit eating grin, walking in the door of the uh, of the house. I mean, Pee Wee was really the big association for me, but I was sort of yes. surprised that yes. Mr. Rogers was was it for others. But it goes to show that it's bringing it's bringing up a lot of associations for a lot of people, which is good. It's, it's already clicking.
0: Yeah, I think that's right, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Because listen, I mean, Bray Wyatt. The knock on Bray Wyatt is that is it is it is, is a booking knock, right? They had him lose too many matches uh uh-huh. they because he was perceived to be sort of in character untouchable enough that he could afford to lose but that that mounted and of course that that the perception is that he was a loser and um you know he was he because of injuries because of reboots because of various gimmickry he was sort of left behind by his um by his peers you know i mean he was he was i i remember saying and boy does this sound wild now but but saying that um that Bray Wyatt Roman Reigns, that would be one of those feuds, like triple H the rock that we would have a great, we have a DVD set or whatever the future of DVDs is, <laughs> you know, we'd have, we'd have a great, you know, uh, collection of that someday and how they kind of like paste each other up the ladder to the top of the, to the top of the company. Um, but their matches were great. Yeah, they were really great and they brought the best out of each other. And, and, uh, Bray's a really, a really great performer. And when he gets in, you know, good feuds with people, then it, it, they can really amount to a lot. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this because I, it's, it's, um, I think that, that if, that of all the people that can get repackaged and rebooted, he's one with undeniable talent with undeniable, huge, huge upside. And maybe he'll never be the next undertaker. You know, I mean, I don't think that's even a reasonable thing to say about people, although i I'm sure I've said it myself. Um, but he can be a real contributor to the company and, and, uh, he's no matter what he could go out there and play straight up mr rogers not even the the creepy version of it and uh and and be he he is inherently so different than everyone around him you know i mean he's and, and the, just he he bring he brings another element um just by virtue of being himself
1: and and it's it's very different than most other second generation guys because he you know when you know who he is and who his father Mike Rotunda was. Yeah, you, know, you see the resemblance, and you could also wonder. You know, okay, was he given opportunities that other people didn't get? It, blah blah blah. But um, he, he really—it's in his blood, and there's something to that. I really believe that with with second generation and third generation wrestlers. But um, he is uh, his own, um, you know, unique. He's a he's a, he's He's an interesting cat. <laughs> that's kind of the way you know, I would put it.
0: Leaving all of the you know uh, the workers' rights issues out of this for one second, one of the reasons that WWE really does treasure the second generation folks is because they feel like they can invest in them without fear of them ditching out for Hollywood or you know doing or, or you know that, that the that the that the mutual investment is sort of implicit by the by virtue of them being second generation talents. Now, obviously, that's not always true, and that's not something that WWE like puts up on the tote board or I mean on the on the bulletin board to like remind people of how to book their talent but I think that's a real thing and you can see with Bray I mean you can see with all second generation wrestlers that you either have the people that are in it because it's an easy path when their whatever their dream career was didn't work out you know they're going to be welcomed with open arms because of who their dad or their mom was um, and then you have the ones that are just that were just steeped in it and they just understage implicitly Cody Rhodes is a good example implicitly understand wrestling better than everyone around them and want to be the best that they can be, want to be the best in the world, and Bray's one of those folks, and I'm and I, uh, I agree. I'm excited to see where he goes. Um, so that, if that's he, true, then he will leave the company and start a rival promotion, so we're all good. Okay, go. No. Hey, listen, if Bray got his own promotion, it would be like inscrutable, but awesome. I mean, just, it would be incredible. <laughs> um, he's not the only person to debut uh, a new personality, a new look in the past couple of weeks, but before we talk about that, let's take a quick break. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash MaskedMan. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful, matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never have to miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash MaskedMan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-S-K-E-D-M-A-N ziprecruiter.com slash masked man ZipRecruiter the smartest way to hire and speaking of saving time it can be a little aggravating especially when you're running late to find yourself waiting for a train at a railway crossing and if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet you may feel a little bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks well don't Ever. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they can't stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you, well, better not to think about that. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result is a disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Now back to the show. Jim just forwarded me a tweet from WWE um, It says, retweet to respect the stash. And it is, and then and it's tagged at real Robert Roode. And it is a close-up photo of the former Bobby Roode, now Robert Rude's mouth, mustache, and nose and chin. And that's it. There's no eyes, there's no cheeks. Oh, uh, that's it. It's just a photo of the mustache. Um, it is. So strange, but wonderful. Uh, And this is like, I mean, there's very, I mean, listen, I will, who knows what's going to happen with Bray Wyatt at the moment. I would say that I'm glad that he's repackaged. He's getting another shot. Uh, But I prefer the original Bray Wyatt above all others uh, in terms of ranking the various Brays. This is one of those repackagings where the second you saw it, you were just like, or at least for me, I was just like. Well, this is what he should have been all along, Bobby yeah. Roode. Call him Robert. Have him grow that mustache. Now the robe makes sense. You know, now now he's not just Ric Flair cosplaying. <laughs> now he's ravishing Ric Roode. Now he's just a, his own little asshole of you know the this the guy that he should have always been in WWE, and uh, he does not a tag team wrestler anymore. He's just his own dude, and. I, it was one backstage segment. I, I mean, and and then the match with with uh, Ricochet. But in that one backstage segment, I was a hundred percent sold. This is this is who Robert Roode was born to be. Well, and
1: and the fact that they booked him to win was interesting. Mm-hmm. Just like it was interesting that they booked um, who was it that Bailey lost to over on um, on
0: SmackDown. Bailey lost to Charlotte. Um, ah, okay.
1: Bailey losing was interesting just because she was she's been sort of um, uh, trying to make this uh, new, uh, fresh start for herself as, as uh, um, someone who could stand on her own two feet, and then she prom- you know, promptly gets um, squashed by, by Charlotte. But And then Ricochet, who is Ricochet, and finally standing mm-hmm. on his own two feet, out, out, apart from Aleister Black, loses to Bobby Roode, which shows that, okay, they think they got something there with Robert Roode, which they are doubling down now that they're starting a you know a hashtag uh, uh, campaign. For him, which I'm very disappointed in my own hashtag that I tried to start the other day, What Would Robert Roode Do?, did not t- take similar hold. But I'm all in. Anyone who's <laughs> followed me on Twitter hasn't seen over the last several days that I, like, I can't stop thinking about Robert Roode. I just think it is, it is simple and perfect, and it's my favorite gimmick um, of, of the year uh, so far in 2019. And that's no, no irony intended.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think it's fantastic. I'm not worried about Ricochet. I think it was necessary to have to give Rude a surprise win to really underscore that they're behind him. You know, I mean, that's a it's a real thing. Um and and hopefully this push will amount to something. Now, listen, I mean, not everybody could be top of the card, especially with in a world without jobbers, but um but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, we, we we talked. You you mentioned. I mean, Ricochet and and Alistair Black are now officially both standing on their own feet because uh, they're no longer a tag team. They're on separate shows. I'm excited about that. Kipping um, up
1: on their own feet, as it were.
0: Yeah, leaping out of the ring unassisted by the ropes, separately, <laughs> for a change. Um, before we get to the specifics of what happened on Raw and SmackDown, I want to just talk really briefly about. Um, Elias, who is now the... Uh, speaking of minor minor reframings, I don't know if this is a gimmick shift, because he's still playing his guitar and everything else, but he is now the McMahon family uh, enforcer, um, <laughs> buddying up with Shane McMahon on SmackDown. Do you like this role for Elias? Do you think this is a good move? This is a good... Uh, is this a step up? Is this a lateral move? How Do we? Uh, do you think he's going to be a major player in, on the SmackDown scene? Uh,
1: um, I think... I, I, I talk about a guy who, to me, has been mismanaged. I've never... I think he just has such a great look and he's a good wrestler and he obviously has some charisma and I don't understand why he's been, um, you know, why why he has been kind of uh, put in the solitary confinement of this strange sort of uh, failed rocker persona for, for as long as he has. Uh, I think he could definitely be a marquee heel for smackdown i think he's a great foil for roman reigns in the early going here as they both change brands i don't understand why he has to be uh, you know under the auspices of the mcmahon authoritarian regime I, that obviously i think we know anything about wwe it's probably because they think he just simply needs that to get it over and um the mcmahons think that you know if, if their, their tacit endorsement of something by being a part of it on screen sort of just carries all this weight. As you know, I could not be more ready for the character of Shane McMahon to go away. <laughs> I was ready for it to go away when it came back. I didn't care. <laughs> I haven't cared for it as the ostensible, you know, babyface uh, boy prince. I've not cared for it as the uh, rabble-rousing, risk-taking. Um, Devil may care millionaire. I don't care for it as the uh, you know the petulant uh, turncoat heel. I I don't need it. I don't like it. I have trouble suspending this belief, in, in you know, in regard to his um, his his in ring uh, or, or in regard to in regard to him being a competitive in ring performer. So the short answer is, I'm all for Elias. But boo,
0: McMahon. All right. Well, I mean, for those listening to this, you should know that I'm going to make Kenny write about his hatred for Shane McMahon on the ringer.com <laughs> soon. Um, so, well, I'll leave that for for that. But I will say that, I will say this. Uh, Shane McMahon's involvement did a lot for The Miz, and and you're a huge Miz fan. Uh, you wrote a big piece about him leading up to WrestleMania, yeah. but I know you're a longtime fan. And I think that was a net positive, certainly, for The Miz's current run. And, but but I... I even if I were to to force myself to agree with you about Shane, and there's part times where I absolutely do, the moment on SmackDown where Elias had was finishing his song and Shane slid in next to him on the hood of the car and was just like, "All right, you sure? Let's let's get out of here. We got to go." Was the mm-hmm. most authentic thing Shane has done in a long time, and I and I just loved that moment. There was something so just real about that, and I really loved that like five seconds of Shane McMahon. Um, So I hope they do more uh, backstage uh, sitting on car segments with him.
1: That was a good moment. I I will say that. Uh,
0: Also, uh, if you want to talk about slight uh, redirections, um, our recently returned, um, Uh recently uh, so surprisingly over babyface, uh, a man who's beloved by the entire wrestling world uh, or wrestling fandom, Kevin Owens, closed out the the WWE week. By shockingly turning heel on his new buddies the new day and uh demolishing Kofi Kingston, it looks like we're gonna have k o versus Kofi Kingston at money in the bank for the Smackdown title or the w w e championship um are you excited about that?
1: I love that they've managed to i think this is one instance where they've kind of hit this out of the park as far as the as far as Kevin owen's you know you know turning if you could even call it that after um Infiltrating the new day for a week, you know, as a, a it's a it's the Daniel Bryan infiltrating Wyatt family in miniature. If you can, so if you can call it a a, a turn job, um, that was that was, was telegraphed you know, from a mile away and was what it was. But the fact that Kofi kind of find, finding himself in this, in the midst of this this run that he's in and winning the belt, but that they've really spun it now into um, you know some really compelling booking where you know very He's going to be in a very legitimate and very credible rivalry with Kevin Owens, where they, you know, there's no reason why they can't be a physical match, and there's history there that goes back now to prior to WrestleMania, and it doesn't—you don't need to do a lot to tell us why they don't like each other, and yeah. you know the, the beatdown just kind of makes it automatic.
0: I got to tell you, if you had asked me, I would have said Kevin Owens. You know, this Kevin Owens was not you know that something the, he would he would turn heel eventually probably turn heel but i was totally swerved i mean i really was in the moment i i could kind of feel it coming but but i when when he was up there last week getting those that giant canadian face pop um teaming up with the new day seem especially in biggie's absence just seemed like the most normal little almost like a house show sort of move i didn't think too deeply about it and uh you know when it continued on to this week i i i, I probably i got a little bit suspicious but um but yeah, I just thought it was really well done. And and also, you know, part of it is that Daniel Bryan is hurt. Um, there are a lot yeah. of stories that the word is that that he was, it was supposed to be Daniel Bryan versus Kingston in the rematch at, at, at Money in the Bank and, and that Kevin Owens was called into duty in, in, in Bryan's absence. And that's, this is one of those instances where the real life intervenes and it works to the benefit of the story because, you know, The fact that it was a little bit of a rush job made it more shocking. You know, the fact that it seemed sort of shoehorned in, you didn't know exactly what was going on because they couldn't project it like they might normally do. And, uh, yeah, and I think Kevin Owens' commitment to the bit, the pelvic thrusting, the, the, you know, wearing the unicorn (laughs) horn on his head, um, it was all so campy and silly, but it was just, I don't know, it's just... It, it was really well done. Another one of those things where you just see a guy who loves being a pro wrestler, be like he gets to do all the, di- they get to, it's like when Rousey turned heel and you could tell she was just really stoked about it. You know, I mean, it was like, you could just see somebody working out all of these, or like, it's, you know, a better one to be like, in, this is like the miniature version of Mankind playing Dude Love on the national platform, right? right? I mean, this is just somebody getting to do a completely different thing for a second and really embracing it and it was really cool and now, of course, he's back to the, He's no longer Big O. He's now um, the, the devilish Kevin Owens that we are more familiar with, and uh, and I'm excited to see him that to see him there. Um, his former running buddy Sammy Zayn is also doing this uh, this incredible performance as a heel character over on Raw, just lambasting the fans every week. Um, I have no idea where they're going with this, but I gotta say. Um, Anytime, I mean, we all knew Sammy could talk, but anytime you give somebody a microphone and they immediately become like a top tier talker with a, it in a, in a sort of surprising turn, that's that's like, I mean, there's nothing like that in pro wrestling, is there?
1: I I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. I I will only add that I'm surprised that they haven't changed his entrance music yet, and the fact that they haven't leads me to think that down the line they have plans for him to you know to be um, a fan favorite again, but. Um, in the interim, yeah, I think what Sam has been doing has been terrific. I get a little, you know, a little uh, exasperated by what I always like to call you people promos, um, <laughs> which I think speaks for itself. But he's done, a, he's done a, a nice job of being very specific and incisive about it and not, not being sort of just uh, sweeping sour grapes. And it'll be fun to see him actually now really compete again. I don't know. Maybe he could resume his old feud with Mike canellis. That would be thrilling. <laughs> um, I, and uh, to put a fine point on the Kevin Owens stuff, I don't mean to sound obnoxious. You know, I, I just I'm very cynical, and so I was just expecting that that would happen. I did expect that they might drag out his Big O, his Big O thing. You know for, for more of a duration. So I was surprised in, in that respect, but you're right in the moment you sort of knew it was going to happen. Um, but the two of them, you look, it's uh, The fact that you're not even asking yourself, wait, what about the fact that the two of them were kind of, you know, um, you know, budding up again, you know, last time we, we saw them and they've just split them off into, into separate, um, so far, you know, very, uh, successful, promising paths is, um, yeah, a testament, I guess, to everyone involved, how committed those
0: guys are. I know that, like, you know, kids love Sami Zayn. That his entrance music has a lot of appeal. I've always just thought, and I'm sure I've said this before, that it, he's so much of a like. They don't need to change anything when he turns heel because the music is just so grating. His little newsboy hat and his silly jacket are just like so inherently, if not heelish, then like despicable. <laughs> that, that I that yeah. I don't need. I, I don't I don't need I don't need ominous music. You know, I don't need him in a I don't need him in a black cape. I know what I got here. I mean, this is Sami Zayn is Sami Zayn is awesome. One of my favorite wrestlers, full stop. Um, but like I don't need my my favorite like ska music is not an important ingredient in in what makes a wrestler like fun and interesting to me. And so I just like him. It was like when Seth Rollins turned heel and he's and he's kind of doing the you people shut up, which by the way, some some enterprising baddie in the wrestling ring needs to just make you people shut up into the catchphrase just come to the ring say you people shut up and then that's the whole promo like just just do that and 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 make t-shirts like it would be great but when Seth Rollins turned heel and it was never quite compelling enough for me and then they just had like a random I think just like an out-of-character interview with him on like .com or on the YouTube channel and he was wearing a black baseball cap sort of high on his head and turned to the side and I was just like, "This this is the most heelish thing Seth Rollins has ever done. Just have him do this on television." Um, that's where I am with Sami Zayn's entrance music. Anyway, I'm excited to see where they go with him because he's incredible. I love him to death, and uh, and I and I wish him all the best. Um, let's see who who. Let's I'm going to run through Raw and SmackDown super quick, and we'll touch on uh we'll we'll touch on Money in the Bank really quickly, and then and then to Dark Side of the Ring. Um, let's see. Uh. Oh Cesaro has now debuted on Raw. They've made a bunch of switches. Samoa Joe's on Raw. Cesaro's on Raw. Apparently he's a singles competitor because Sheamus is injured, uh, hopefully. I mean there's rumors that this is a that might be it for for Sheamus, but we should hope not. He's great. Um 41 to now, see, though, believe it or not. Yeah, he's he's put in he's logged a lot of miles and and he has this like spinal stenosis issue and he has for a yeah. while. I think the the bar was an effort to prolong his career. So we'll see if, you know, what else we we have in store for him. But it's nice to see Cesaro flex his muscles as a singles competitor. Um, The big takeaway from Raw is that AJ Styles is your number one contender um, and will be facing Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. Kind of uh, maybe a little bit surprising that they pulled the trigger on this feud so quickly, but I'm always in favor of pulling the trigger on feuds as quickly as possible. I would rather see, in this instance, I would rather see Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles three times at pay-per-views over the next year than to have them... Drag it out for SummerSlam, and then watch one of them twist an ankle and not be able to go. You know, I mean, just like always, pull the trigger. What do you think?
1: I think you're right about striking while the iron's hot. I mean, AJ is going to turn 42 in a in a less than a couple of months, which I know because we have the same birthday. And um, yeah, they're both healthy and they're both riding high, and it's a big splash that AJ came to Raw. So I think pull the trigger. Um, Bottom line is, I'm excited that I know there's going to be a five-star match on that card, and it doesn't necessarily have to just be a, a, a ladder fracas. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not really, like, I'm not overthinking that one. Um, I would prefer that AJ maybe had not uh, trimmed down his beard the way he did because somehow the the flowing mane and the, like, faint 5 o'clock shadow um, is uh, a... a something about it isn't, isn't, uh, is is incongruous for me, not working, not, not, not landing.
0: Um, I want to give a big shout out to, uh, to, I have no idea if they had anything to do with his beard. I should, I, I I would think not, but (laughs) to, um, the, the folks that that do that, that I, that I procure my beer products from a company called Maestro. They have a great store in Bristol, Pennsylvania. I think that's their home office, but I know they do a lot of the, uh, the beard work for WWE and for, and for, uh, you know, uh, area athletes and Joel and beads huh? on their wall, Braun Strowman's on their wall, Jinder Mahal's on their wall. It's uh they, they've, they've, they've showed up at wrestling events to trim beards in the past. And it's, I, it, I, part of me wants to just quit my ringer career and become a full-time beard stylist because they make it look <laughs> so awesome. Um, so yeah, get that, get your, all you bearded listeners, get your beard butter from Maestro. It's fantastic. Um, anyway, and then over on SmackDown, um, we got uh, Lars Sullivan continuing his heel push. You just stop me if you want to talk about this. Finn, Finn Balor over Andrade in a, in a schmozzy way that, that leads when to believe that Andrade, who is now back on SmackDown Live after a week on Raw, uh, might be getting a little look at the IC title picture. And, um, and then the big overarching um, storyline of the week is that, is that leading into Money in the Bank, which is in several weeks, Becky Lynch has two matches. She'll be defending both against Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair that night. Um, How how do you think they're going to pull that off?
1: I guess they're going to. I guess with Becky now, they see no limit to how she can keep um, breaking through another ceiling. You know, and like so. So the, I guess the idea is let's make this more and even more and more ecstatic. You know, and until it it reaches such a fever pitch that you know. that we need to kind of cool it down I, I guess that's the thinking is i don't expect her to i don't know i don't expect her to lose either one of them yet but of course the thinking is that she will drop the smackdown belt and then just be over on raw um i you know I, I always try and stay away from the fantasy booking stuff even though i literally write previews for almost every pay-per-view predicting what will happen <laughs> and, um i will i i hope she drops one of the belts just so that i can stop Having Becky two belts shoved down my throat, I, I there's there's nothing I hate more than when it, there's a decision made that the that the announced team is going to sort of just kind of harp on this new nickname that somebody has, and the crowd picks up on it as if it's an organic thing and chant it as if they as if it's as if it's something that is is a little intimate reference between them and the wrestler. It was you know it was contrived and it's and it's forced and whatever. I love Becky, so I don't know. Whatever. There's just, no no catchphrase.
0: There's no catchphrase and no nickname in pro wrestling. I mean, if it catches on, they'll they'll show they'll, they'll overdo it. That's just the way pro wrestling works. And I know. Yeah.
1: So look, I like Becky Tube's wrestle so, twice as a, a is a net positive.
0: I, I agree. I'm 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 just excited to see how they pace the show. I think it's gonna be really I think it's gonna be just super cool. Um anyway, uh Becky Two Belts, uh I hope they I hope they do it a little bit longer only because you know i mean they they probably have some becky two belts t-shirts they, they still want to sell well exactly um, that's, too. that's the whole thing but uh anyway they they've, they've got a lot of good becky two belts merch that i encourage you all to wear um for when you're the man shirt is uh is, is stinks from wearing it every single day for two months
1: they should have a becky two shirt sale where you buy one get
0: 150 <laughs> off wwe you mm-hmm. can have that thank you i mean you're welcome uh, for wwe shop zone which is what i will call it forever we also have Roman Reigns versus Elias at the pay-per-view, which is a good positioning for both of those folks. And we got a couple of ladder matches with contestants to be announced. Before we get out of here, I do want to touch on this show, this Viceland show that we've talked about before, um, Dark Side of the Ring. Last week, I don't know if you saw it, was the Montreal Screwjob, and we touched on it very briefly last week. I encourage you all to watch it. it I, to me, the, the Montreal Screwjob was the most lacking only because we've heard, there, there was some cool stuff in it. Um, but the Montreal Screwjob is one of those things that we've heard so many, we've we've already seen a documentary about it, one of the most legendary wrestling documentaries, we, there, there, there's been so many shoot interviews, there's been sh- so many interviews, so many WWE, you know, has dealt with it on their own, in their own microverse, um, and that it just necessarily seems incomplete to just do a one episode of a series about it, um, and that, and, and you know, there's also the fact that without WWE involved, we were left with like Jim Cornette and Scott Hall to explain everything that happened, and they and they did <laughs> do a good job, but, like, you know, this is one of those things that needs a, a bunch of voices. Um, and with Cornette
1: sitting really close to the camera lens.
0: Yeah, Cornette was really close. Uh, Cornette said he's gonna piss on Vince Russo's grave. That seemed to be the thing that got the most response. That and the fact that Scott Hall thinks that the whole thing was a work, which is just wild if true. Yeah. Um, uh- it's really, like finding you know, out that Kyrie. It's like finding out Kyrie, Kyrie Irving thinks the world is flat. It's like you. You cannot possibly be. I know that people think this. I can't believe Scott Hall thinks this.
1: I, I, you got to consider the source. And I mean this respectfully. You know, with his given. Uh, you know what he's been through, but I just you know I don't know if that's the most. Uh, a uh, credible witness, um, yeah, of, of history.
0: Let's put it that way. Totally true. Um, but I want to talk about this week's episode because it was the first one they they leaked out, and and I, it was the first one that I watched, and I, and, I, and I and I really did like it. I know that you didn't like it quite as much, but the life and death of legendary wrestler Bruiser Brody, um, Bruiser Brody, as everyone knows, was one of the biggest wrestlers of the territorial era. I wrote about him in my book. I I have written about him online. Um, Loved him in world class, loved him all over the, you know, every time he would pop up in those last days of the territories, it was, it was a huge moment. He never quite got his moment on, you know, the, on the, in the big time in WWE or, or WWF, sorry, or or the NWA. Part of that was his, um, he was difficult to work with, you know? I mean, he was, he, he was very demanding and very, and protected his own gimmick a lot. But the, the thing that most people know about him is that he was murdered in Puerto Rico, um, and this episode kind of goes into that whole story. We get a lot of, uh, st- we get backstory from Dutch Mantel, from uh, Tony Atlas especially, and Abdul the Butcher, his his career-long nemesis. Um, uh, you know, I don't think there was a lot of new stuff here, although just Tony Atlas um, seemed to sort of give up more than he had before, or at least be given a platform to be sort of more plaintive about this whole thing than he, than he was before. I don't know. What was your takeaway from the episode?
1: Well, I mean, it was painful to watch how clearly traumatized, you know, Tony Atlas and Dutch Mantel were, um, let alone, you know, Brody's family. I mean, his son uh, just seems I mean, he was very plain spoken about the fact that he's kind of out for blood, um, you know, still for whoever did this. As far as, you know, I think some people who have heard me on this show or, or read my stuff might know or might not know more broadly beyond wrestling stuff, I also am like just a TV critic, so I couldn't help but be watching it from all angles and I just thought as a episode of a docu series it was sort of lacking structurally in some areas of pacing and some and some and some of the um, some of it sort of leaning toward being almost like investigation discovery. Esque, <laughs> um, uh, you know, lurid, lingering on a, on a crime, but and and the the aesthetic of the series as a whole with the kind of reenactments, while while very well sort of cast and shadowed, um, you know, and serving their purpose, especially without the participation of WWE to move the story along, uh, you know, just just become a little just a bit of a distraction for me. Um, I could have used more padding on either on on both. Side, the before and after of the crime. I thought the slow build to the crime and then there's like really kind of just um, loitering on the, over the details of it. Uh, blow, the blow by blow was just getting sort of taxing. So I don't know that I learned much new about the man. It was fun seeing some of the footage of him being careful about not breaking kayfabe in an interview and all stuff with his family. Um, I Didn't know necessarily how potentially um, complicit, you know, Carlos Colon may or may not have been. That was fascinating. Would have wanted to see more, you know, that's, that's in a nutshell. I just, I didn't think it was like amazing television. Um, I, but uh, I'm a wrestling fan. So, you know, of course, I mean, you know, it went by like that and I could have watched more.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're in a a weird world where there's like so much kind of mediocre stuff available on YouTube that we've all watched deliberately or in the background for, you know, as wrestling fans um, that, you know, it's kind of funny to to get stuff that's like slightly better, but it's still a little bit, it's like the the difference is almost imperceptible at times. Like I said, we've been over this ground before. Um, but that said, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I, I, I want, I, I hope somebody really, you know, if not solves the case, goes a little bit deeper someday. But the but 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 for what we had, I I I I enjoyed the episode and and this is it's just one of those stories that you know I can never get enough of personally. I don't know, I don't know. I just I just think it's um I, I this is it's my personal conspiracy theory of choice, and I and I uh, I would always like to. I'm very interested in. in I mean, they could I, I could watch a whole series on Bruiser Brody um, and his, and his death. So, I mean, yeah, there may, maybe, maybe, maybe it was a little bit lacking in ways, but, but I, I really, I really dug it, man. Well, I,
1: I think giving an opportunity to sort of introduce people to him and to the, to some extent, to the man behind him and to, uh, to make people understand that, you know, it was a tragedy like any other tragedy and that, um, there's a, you know, the wrestlers have a humanity and uh, that's all, I think that's all, um, a sort of net good <laughs> um i just couldn't help but be overly analytical just from the uh, you know the just from the the just from critiquing it as television but it's hard for me to separate those things at times and the wwe you know the one thing that of course they do so well is when they do their own authorized you know documentaries on on wrestlers or or periods of time or rivalries and it's so exhaustive and so comprehensive and everyone has such participation from from all the all the essential parties so it's hard to beat them at their own game sometimes but this as you alluded to brody wasn't really a wwe guy so that's not that's apples not exactly
0: apples to apples but i think you get my point i have a long-standing totally ridiculous argument that like documentaries should be i mean we should just pass an international law that doc- documentaries be open source because there's nothing worse than seeing like like being on Netflix or whatever and just being like oh there's a new documentary about whatever it is like something that you're deeply interested in like oh look at this new whatever it's a documentary about the Kinks or something and then you you click on it with great and you're you're like super eager and it's just sort of middling you know and, and that's not a real yeah. documentary i was mentioning i was just making it just totally randomly mentioned the Kinks but the but like um yeah. And and and, you know, especially if it's you know, it's like the Rolling Stones, right? You see like an OK Rolling Stones documentary and you're just like, well, the worst part about this is not that I wasted time. The worst part is that like, you know, Keith Richards is probably not going to agree to sit down again. He's you know, he's, he's he's got all the money he needs. He's told his story like what's he going to like sit down for five more documentaries until they get it right? No, like this was the missed shot. And so <laughs> I just feel funny. like. I feel like every documentary, once you once you interview someone of, the, of that, you know, of, it, about anything, it should just just throw it in the Library of Congress and let someone cut together a better documentary someday. And maybe that's some of what this WWE, you know, just wrestling doc angst is about. Like, I, I just wish that we all had the best version possible. And and yeah, without getting everybody involved, it's tough. But um, but it's a really interesting story. Um, and, you know, Bruiser Brody, one of the absolute greats. I mean, one of my favorite wrestlers and, and I, and I just, it's such a tragedy. Um, Well, well, I
1: mentioned before about, you know, make wrestling scary again. And that kind of comes full circle here because what one thing that it did do for me is it really brought back my memories of, I, I was very, uh, I was a big WCCW guy and I was very aware of, you know, um, just in general of, of Brody and Butcher, and would always seek that stuff out where I could, and that it was that stuff was they were they weren't wrong about it being you know intense, and it was it was wrestling, you know, could be scary, and and um, didn't need to come with any sort of caveats about don't try this at home. It was pretty damn obvious. You <laughs> know, you didn't want to do that, and you wanted to watch it safely from um, the comfort of your own home, and so it brought back some fond memories of when when wrestling could be. Um, really sort of charged in that way but uh
0: yeah fairly- go watch go go back and watch old uh bruiser brody abdul the butcher matches from puerto rico or like just bruiser brody anywhere but the but those matches i mean they they had a there was a couple i think that they did in like baseball arenas where bruiser brody would and there, there was some of this in the in the episode bruiser brody would just like storm down to the ring like, throwing the chairs aside. Fans were just fleeing for their lives as he came down swinging a giant chain over his head. Um, I mean, talking about wrestling seeming real, there is just, it's it's hard to imagine um, wrestling evoking that kind of fear, that kind of just raw emotion um, in, in this day and age. But, you know, Brody was able to do that, and that's part of why he's, you know, one of the greats. Um, yeah, he, if
1: you if for for people who maybe could appreciate this reference, it's like if, if he was the GG G. Allen of of, uh, of territorial wrestling.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh I mean that that's a really good comparison. He was man, he was really something special. Um and also that shooter review that they that they um I mean I think that a lot of people we I I've I think I edited a piece about that or did I write a piece about I think I wrote a piece about that long ago. Um But that, that interview that he gave was sort of the first shoot interview. Like it was, he gave this long interview, um, without really wanting to give too much away. He gave everything away, you know, he gave it in, out of kayfabe. And, um, and that's, I'm pretty sure that's up on YouTube somewhere. Definitely worth checking out because there's a lot of cool, just the mindset of the man. And, you know, we, there's the, um, I guess, I guess Lars Sullivan is our current intelligent monster, but, um, he was, the, he was the original intelligent monster. And, and I think that's, that was his real power, right? I mean, that was the fact that he was going to murder you, but it felt like he like was going to think it through before it happened. You know, like he right, was, was going to be, he was going to be intelligent. was going to be thoughtful about the way that he dismembered your body. And that makes it so much scarier than anything else.
1: Yeah. He wasn't vacant.
0: Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Kenny, thank you for jumping in and, and uh, doing this podcast with me this week.
1: Oh, the pleasure was all of ours. Uh,
0: do you want to plug your Twitter handle or any, any projects you're working on right now?
1: Uh, at Kenny Herzog on Twitter. Um, I alluded to it earlier, but I have been um, speaking with a number of folks at the uh, in the upper echelons of AEW for a little something I'm working on for... Uh, in the very near future. So I'll just leave that at that and, uh, you know, be working on stuff for The Ringer, uh, of course, as always.
0: As always. Um, thank you guys for listening. We didn't mention that, uh, wait, Jeff Hardy's injured? So we, le- we left that out. Uh, we yeah. didn't mention, we, did, we, we didn't really mention uh, Kyrie Sane and uh, Asuka and their continued push. Uh, I kind of like what they're doing with the tag division over on SmackDown, the women's side. And once again, we uh, we we didn't mention Chad Gable. So, um, I don't know if this is the new thing, but apologies to Chad Gable. <laughs> we'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. You people shut up.